We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. We are having an emergency combine podcast. It is being recorded from a deep underground bunker. There's coffee grounds all over the place. We've been grinding the beans, grinding the tape, crunching the numbers, all that stuff here to give you this podcast here on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, maybe we can post it in the the podcast like is there an official photo logo that they submit where that has the the Mark Wahlberg schedule oh, yeah. that we've been following and it's it's exhausting it's not fun but if you want to be great you have to kind of withstand some pain like but, we've been mm-hmm. yeah we we are taking a break from our rigorous weightlifting routines not so much own. greatness resulting but like it, it's building character all the same yeah so calloused yeah um, and now we're ready to to spit out the you know, the, our computers ran the numbers here, the, and the numbers are correct. Uh, our, our 
our numbers are good. Our computers are good. Uh, the numbers that the computer are good. We've got the numbers. And we have a computer the, like Johnny Quest style. Like it's as big as a room. It's an Oracle printer combo sort of thing. <laughs> and it's it's got the, the right rankings for your dynasty leagues, uh, your redraft leagues. Whatever it is that concerns you, uh, we've we've got it here. So uh, between our work and tech savvy, uh, we, we've we've got all your questions answered in the next uh, whatever hour, or however long we take to do this. It, yeah, we do. So yeah, get ready. Maybe for less some than that. Tips. I'm not trying to take that long. Exactly. <laughs> it is Saturday, and we we have volunteering to do also later today. So because we're really good people. Yeah, we got to do some lunch lady stuff to for Habitat for Humanity, I guess. So. You know, we you don't need to give us any credit for that. We don't we don't even need it. That's not why we do it. Exactly. Yeah, we're well, just telling you in case you want to, but like you don't have to give us credit for it. Yeah, and like you, you it's up to you. If you're you know? listening, you probably we've probably already done the volunteer work at this point. So yeah, we did it last year. It's that. not even that hard. I can pick up soup and put it in a bowl. It's yeah, I, I yeah you got good it. form on that if I remember correctly. Yeah get through a lot um okay let's let's try to get through a lot of these uh these 40 times and such because that's what it's all about everyone agrees 40 times are the only thing that matter yeah uh, that, i mean you you look, at the, look at the uh all-time graph for uh wide receiver 40 times and they're all hall of famers yeah and with with that established i'm, I'm glad we can all agree now as an industry Jonathan Taylor is the top overall dynasty prospect in this draft, or at least he's, the, he's first among running backs. Um, and again, that's because he ran the fastest 40 time. Uh, the 439 second 40 time was the fastest among the running backs, so he's the best one now. Um, but no, to be serious, I, it was speed that I had in mind for, for part of the reason why he's such a good prospect, but uh, it's specifically 439 type speed on a 226 pound frame with a player who ran for about 2,000 yards three years in a row, uh, pushing for seven yards a carry. When you run like that and when you're as fast as that at that, that, that kind of weight, you basically just don't fail. Like you, you don't fail with that much talent. And I think, I think Thomas has proven uh, that he has that talent. And he's, he remains a question mark as a, as a pass catcher because his production was poor uh, in that sense. But he looked okay in the receiving drills. I don't know how much they care about that stuff in, in the drills, specifically at the combine. But he, he wasn't like clunking passes off of his hands he wasn't uh you know he, he wasn't missing passes because he couldn't turn around fast enough to reach for them nothing like that happened so now he's just like basically the biggest fastest best runner of the group mm-hmm. and if you want to argue for someone ahead of him uh you know you can i just don't want to i don't want to have to make that case right yeah that yeah because you have i think the only other guys you would be able to theoretically even build a case where it would be swift or dobbins and dobbins you don't even have the combine numbers to even like begin to build it yeah and he was five nine two oh nine which was about 10 pounds lighter than expected so we'll see what he is at his eventual pro day but for now uh, i'm actually I, I had taylor ahead of him all along but i'm moving in my own personal rankings deandre swift ahead of jk dobbins there we go swift didn't really generate any headlines with his combine showing but it was totally good to be five eight two twelve running a four four eight uh, his broad jump vertical were also good he, because Dobbins had this, that incomplete grade and because Swift was already very close to begin with. Uh, I think a four, four, eight and the other numbers that Swift posted are, are more than good enough uh, to at the very least like hold his ground. Whereas with Dobbins, technically he could lose some ground if things go poorly enough with his pro day. So that possibility is removed with Swift at this point. So I'll, I'll put him second behind Taylor. Uh, I don't know if I'll put him ahead of the receivers, Lamb and Judy, uh, but it, I will put Swift up to second among running backs for now. Okay, yes. I, I'm with you there as far as Swift being uh, the number two running back behind 
uh, Taylor. Um, uh, the more I watch Swift, and you know, like I watched him as a fan, obviously for right. these past three years, and watching him under a more you know scrutinizing eye the, these past few weeks, and I'm I continue to be like more and more impressed with him. Like that the the way that he ran. Uh, if he was going to get a big enough workload didn't quite work out that way but i, I was impressed nonetheless uh with the film this year and to see him you know stamp it with a, a solid combine not not a earth-shaking one like you said but certainly more than uh, good one enough. one that was good enough to where yeah he's i think you framed it right in saying that he holds his ground whereas dobbins by virtue of not testing and i know that he's uh you know being cautious with you know if you're gonna run a if you know you're gonna run a bad time then it's better to hold off the way that Dobbins Ohio did versus you know, Ohio guys. State has a really fast track too. That's I, I'm pretty sure that's where AJ Hawk ran is like four three seven or whatever it was, and you know AJ Hawk was fast, but probably not that fast. <laughs> sure. So uh, yeah, Dobbins should be fine. It's just with Swift, you don't have the concern at all. There's there's just, it's just not a possibility that it gets worse than this. So uh, he he's reassured of his stock, and I think he's a really good player. Uh, I definitely don't agree with people who had him ranked first among running backs, but even that, that's more to do with I have a really high valuation of Taylor. It's not mm-hmm. that I even mean to to be you know withholding towards Swift. Uh, but yeah, he could be a first-round pick. He could be the first running back selected, even though I have Taylor ahead. Um, I'm not specifically trying to guess the draft order. I'm trying to guess who's going to accumulate the most fantasy points. So uh, NFL teams don't care about that as much as we do. Uh, they Any number of running backs could go ahead of uh, Taylor and not just Swift. Could be Dobbins, and it could be this the other guy uh, that I have at four at running back now, up from five, and that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, he ran a four six at five seven two oh seven, which is good enough. And then his, his vertical thirty nine and a half uh, that indicates some real explosiveness, mm-hmm. and it's good enough. Like I was never expecting him to be a four four guy, so that he isn't one doesn't matter to me. Okay, uh, and he goes from five to four in my rankings because Zach Moss. Kind of got an incomplete grade for his his workout. He was who I had at four uh, ahead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but I I just with a four seven unofficial time and then a four six five official time. I'm almost wondering if they were giving an official time to Moss that tried to guess how much he lost by pulling up with the hamstring because mm. uh, he he did p- apparently test and run the drills with a bad hamstring. And when you watch his forty attempt. It actually seems to check out because his right leg, if I remember right, wasn't pulling like his left one was. Like it, it looked like his gait was screwed up, and he still ran a four seven. So that's that's almost kind of impressive because because it, it seems like the hamstring actually was hurting. Uh, and if it was, and he ran a four seven, that's really not that bad, uh, especially for someone over two hundred twenty pounds. Uh, I was expecting him to be like a four six two, four six flat kind of runner as it was. So uh, four seven on one leg isn't isn't terrible, but uh, he had those knee concerns coming into the combine. It's not great. It's not a great look to get hurt in uh, the, the workout testing scenario. And since Clyde Edwards Hilaire did good at the combine, I, it's kind of similar to the Dobbins Swift thing. It's like I'm I'm totally uh, reassured with Edward Hilaire. I'm pretty sure that I'm okay with Moss. Like I only ranked him, I only lowered him to five. Um, but it's just one of those things. It's like I don't know for sure right yeah, now. I feel like your response to Moss um, in his combine is much more measured than most people. I think a lot of people are kind of tanking Moss as a result of last night's workout. And I, I know that maybe that that was a little bit before the added context of, of the hamstring. Um, but regardless, if people had questions about Moss going in, they probably are you know 
taking a, like a victory lap and it might be premature. Yeah. And the thing is their official time is four, six, five, which is okay. Like, it's not great, but it's fine. It doesn't make them any less than like a third round pick to me. So if the four, six, five is an accurate reading and he did it on a bad leg, then it's not that hard to imagine how he could be a four, six flat guy. And if he's a four, six flat, that's definitely good enough. It's the same thing as Edward Tiller. It's like, he's not running away from defenses. It's not part of his blueprint. Uh, he has the tools otherwise to, to keep playing the way he's been succeeding as, as a college running back in the NFL. Let's move on um, outside the top five at the running back position, but uh, someone who was impressive. Uh, you had him as someone that, that performed as expected, but that's because you had a very high bar for him uh, to begin with, and that's A.J. Dillon, who comes in, you know, the heaviest running back there and runs an excellent 40 time, just above a 4-5 uh, at that size. That's, that's tough to tackle. Yeah, unfortunately, he didn't quite get to the four four seven that he predicted two years ago. But a four five three at two hundred forty seven pounds is still pretty crazy. Derrick Henry ran the four five four at two forty seven at two and a half inches taller. So I, this is a slight thing that might not matter to most people, but having the same speed, well, slightly faster speed technically, having the same speed though on a denser frame is is a good thing like aj Dillon being six foot 247 instead of six three 247 is is more impressive because that sort of density that's how, that's basically how you it's the closest we can get to measuring kind of like center of gravity effect it's like the more velocity that you pack onto a lower more dense frame the more it sucks to tackle that guy mm-hmm. if he's six three he's at least a bigger target it's not going to be as easy for him to get low get leverage on you uh with with aj Dillon, you know six foot is still pretty tall but 247 at six foot he's not that tall anymore it's not a nice target to it's like oh he's six foot tall i can see him and then you see you know the other half of him comes out from the shadow and you realize oh that's two people yeah, I, I tweeted a very accurate uh, picture of him earlier this week is from the the video game mario uh, one of those oh, right. like, big cement uh, i think they're called thwomps um, that's what he looks like yeah and a, th- a thwomp that'll run away from the rest of the defense after it eats or flattens you flattens or flattens you um so yeah he's he runs away from defenses all the time in the tape and a four five three is good enough for that when you when you break the number of tackles that you do with the kind of weight strength that he has uh it's like we see derrick henry he he doesn't always run away from defenses but he does it enough he does it enough that it's like traumatizing to know that you have to tackle him when you're a defense that's losing in a game and aj Dillon, i mean i'm not gonna say like Mike Vrabel should let Derrick Henry walk and then just draft A.J. Dillon in the third round. But if he did, I don't think the scheme would cease to function for that reason. Like maybe they regress because the quarterback play takes a step back, something like that. But he can do like we know he can run as fast at at the same weight as Derrick Henry. And we know that basically no one else can do what they can. That's yeah, that's wild. Um, So I think that that's a really good, you know, side by side comparison to to also 41 inch vertical, 130 inch broad jump. That's insane. Those were, those were way better than what Henry had like a 36 or 37 vertical, uh, which is also insane. And uh, one one last thing on Dylan, like even if, you know, he's running away from the defense and a, and a cornerback catches up to him because he has better long speed. No guarantee that he tackles him. Yeah. And, you know, we saw it with Henry, too. Like, it just really is traumatic to have to tackle someone that big and that fast long enough. Like, you could, you have your adrenaline maybe keeping you the first two quarters. You're thinking, like, yeah, we can do this. And then you have to go out there for the 21st and the 22nd carry. And then you just kind of lose your spirit. And he, he seems to get faster. He's not getting faster. You're just getting slower. But it happens. And it happens for physically coherent reasons. Like it's getting hit with a bag of bricks over and over and over. Um, so uh, that's why I'm higher on AJ Dillon than most people. And I have him ahead of 
Cam Akers at seven, but that's not because I'm low on Cam Akers. Cam Akers, in fact, had a totally good combine. Yeah. And um, as much as I'm probably lower on him than some people, I think he's going to be a good NFL running back. And not that I quite saw him as explosive as this on tape, but his size adjusted workout numbers are as a baseline in that Miles Sanders kind of range. And okay. having seen what he did last year, it's pretty reasonable to look at Akers and hope for a similar thing. Now, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's as good of a pass catcher as Sanders turned out to be, but Sanders was not a proven pass catcher coming out of Penn State. Akers had pretty decent pass catching oh, yeah. in this past year. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely adequate, and like he he's a much better pass catcher than A.J. Dillon, as, as far as we have any reason to believe. Um, so he could very easily go ahead of Dillon by like a round or two or something like that in the NFL draft. But um, I'm, I'm willing to take the leap of faith that Dillon is a rare rushing specimen, and I think that pretty much any team could use him uh, whereas with Akers, um, I do I do worry a little bit about like a Jordan Howard equivalent screwing up his first half of the season or something like that, and then just never getting the stinger, mm. you know, and then kind of just playing the rest of the way. Um, but if Dylan's competing, if it's if it's Dylan against Jordan Howard, I think Dylan's just better at everything that Howard does. I don't I'm not worried about like a veteran stopgap guy. Well, it would have to be like an, an outright good player. Like if, if Derrick Henry re-signs with the Titans and A.J. Dillon gets drafted by the Titans, that would be bad. Um, but if he ends up on a team where it's like Carlos Hyde or something is the running back ahead of him, I think he beats him for sure. Whereas um, with Akers, I don't think he's the pure runner that Dillon is, so I can imagine him needing like a little more time to get on the field. Okay, and I don't know if sense. he's I don't know if he's a standout pass catcher guy like Edwards Hilaire, so I don't know if he'll get like the easy you know door opening in that same way yeah acres um good catch rate this past year but uh bad like yards per target but i, I think you can excuse some of it because of the, the quarterback play so maybe maybe some like decent ball placement instead of getting hung out to dry all the time yeah and uh in any case this 447 at 217 is really quite good so uh safe second round projection with him i think okay yeah he he definitely um kept himself in that in that upper uh, you know, second tier, I, I guess, among running backs there. Um, let's move on over to Anthony McFarland, your number eight uh, running back who turned in a very strong combine, especially with the um, with the 40. Yeah, so he came in at 5'8", 208, which is one inch shorter and 10 pounds heavier than what he was listed at in Maryland. The 4'4", 40 time is really good. Uh, you almost could have gotten your hopes up for something better than that, looking at how fast he was on tape. But it's—I'm guessing he added that ten pounds and he lost a little bit of speed. But four-four-four is still very fast among running backs. I—I th- I think it would have been fourth in this class behind uh, Jonathan Taylor, Darrington Evans, and someone, Raymond Calais. Raymond Calais, yeah, that is correct. So, he used the fourth. Yeah, and so he's—you know—he's two oh eight, whereas uh, Evans is like two oh two and Calais is like one eighty eight. So it's pretty impressive size adjusted speed with McFarland. Um, I can't quite put him as high as Akers, but I do think that he's a better prospect than Justice Hill was last year as okay. a fourth round pick. So I, I think I can imagine McFarland is kind of like a late third, mid third sort of pick, something like that. I yeah I, I think maybe we've talked about this, but I, I think a Darrell Henderson comparison. Oh yeah, makes some sense for him, and obviously the Darrell Henderson conversation this time last year all the way up through August very different than what it is now um but I I still think that there's he'll the, be good you can't, I'm not ready to take the L uh, on Darrell Henderson he'll be good and that was also a weird scenario where he Rams was going just weird this year yeah they were weird they were poorly managed with their personnel across the board but also it's like Malcolm Brown is a former five-star running back recruit who was in his third year in the system and just kind of had a lot of structural advantages I think you'll see Henderson catch him um but also gotta note it 
McFarland did register faster. He was a four four four. Henderson, I think, was a four four nine, and at one pound less. So uh, McFarland, there is there is an objective case to argue that he's better as a prospect than Henderson. I'm not willing to go that far because I still like Henderson, but McFarland uh, was a big prospect too. Or yeah, big, yeah. Recruit. I'm sorry. And, and Henderson was a third round pick, so it, it makes a lot of sense for them to end up in a similar range. Um, and I will say. Eight is kind of where there's a big drop off for me in these okay. running back rankings. I got Keyshawn Vaughn and Eno, Eno Benjamin at nine and ten, Josh Kelly at eleven. All those guys actually were winners for me. And in Benjamin's case, it's because he came in twelve pounds heavier than he was listed at at the Senior Bowl, where he was one ninety five. Two oh seven is still smallish, and a four five seven forty yard dash isn't great normally. But my ranking calculus with him was based on the idea that he he'd run like a four seven because he added that weight after weighing in at one ninety five at the senior bowl um, but he had good jumps and really good agility too i think he was second at the position in the three cone and sixth, i think in the um in the short shuttle yeah definitely so i still don't think that highly of him like i don't take him seriously as a starting running back prospect but he could be kind of like a geo bernard sort of thing i guess and he I, I could also just be totally wrong he could be a totally good starting running back in the nfl but uh with that said, he went from kind of an undrafted type to me to maybe a fourth or fifth rounder type to me, and he could go in the round in round three. Like, uh, I, I don't know how much higher the NFL might be on him than I am, but uh, these testing numbers are good even from my relatively like skeptical viewpoint. So I, yeah, I think it, he did very well for himself. Definitely. The the yards per carry like led to some questions about the explosiveness, I, I felt like, and I think that he did well for himself in, in those regards there. And, and I think he needed to have those like strong short area testing scores because I think that was one of his strong suits on, on film. So for it to like, you know, be actually empirically bear out, uh, that's really good uh, for him. Uh, another guy that you mentioned there for a second, uh, who was a, a winner. I think he went from likely undrafted to probably like a high day three type of selection. That's Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. Yeah. So uh, I thought uh, Vaughn, I have Vaughn a little bit ahead of him, but that's because Vaughn was, um, he, he was so explosive in the numbers, especially two years ago at Vanderbilt, that you expect him to be fast, basically in a four five one. That's that's pretty good, or it's adequate, uh, especially since he's a little heavier than Benjamin. Um, but Josh Kelly, he was he was a walk on, I think, at UC, or at least he was a transfer from UC Davis or mm-hmm. something like that. So he was not supposed to test very well, but a four four nine forty at about two twelve. Uh, I think that kind of puts him in that. Uh, what is that? He, he's he's probably in a similar class prospect wise to me as a I don't know like a Dexter Williams type, where especially for the same parts of the year where you know it's one thing to to look at Dexter Williams it's like oh sixth seventh round pick not very good before the combine it wasn't super obvious where that was headed and I I think this is a similar case where I wouldn't be shocked if he. Uh, fell to the sixth round but i can't rule him out as like a round four sort of pick now because uh it it wasn't really in the numbers but i feel like i remember him getting a lot of passing down reps at ucla so that the pass catching numbers i think might be a little unfair to him and if he's functional in a third in like a passing down situation and he's a four four nine guy at two 11 or whatever and he was easily the best running back on ucla the past two years 
that's like one of those things. It's like he's far from a slam dunk prospect, and I don't project him as a starter. But for what's left in that range of the draft, he has to be a standout option. Yeah, because the, I mean the the tools that he showed at the at the combine, uh, you know, he really really did well for himself. Like you said, I, I was more so expecting him to run like in the high four sixes. Certainly not um, sub right. four five. So that that definitely helped him a lot. And uh, you know, like like you said, there are some some good things to to like about uh his 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 time at UCLA um I thought back in 2018 um he was someone that kind of burst onto the scene uh, at UCLA and turned in like for a few weeks just like knowing from like college DFS that he was just like this screaming value every single week that was going to return ridiculous um you know points per dollar like he had a th- almost a 300 yard game against US- USC at one point um ran for over 100 f- like 25 yards like six or seven times in 2018 down the stretch so um th- there is proof that that he can you know produce at a high level against high level competition yeah, definitely. And uh, he's one of those guys that's like, I don't want to say he'll be good in the NFL, but if he gets the opportunity to get the ball a bunch in an NFL game, I can imagine him doing just fine. For sure. So uh, he's in that range. I have him a little bit ahead of Darrington, Evans, and Calais, the fast guys. And with Evans's case, in the Evans's case, I don't really like how he wasn't as good as Jalen Moore was there. And uh, being just over 200 at like 5'10 to uh, at about 5'10, 5'11. It's it's one of those things. It's like it's nice that you're running a four four two, but you would like to to have a guy running like a a four four flat if he's around two hundred pounds because it's like Anthony McFarland could probably run a four three nine or a four three eight if he was two oh two instead of two oh eight. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, it's it's nice to have the lower forty in a vacuum, but you still have to adjust for size. And Evans still pretty low body density but it put him and Calais ahead of Michael P Ryan who at a 462 40 yard dash um he's okay he checks out totally fine he he's also kind of like the Josh Kelly case where if, if he gets a chance in the NFL I can imagine him doing just fine I just don't see why a team would like flo- why teams would flock to him to give him the chance in the first place uh and if he goes if he goes uh, 14th among running backs then uh, it, it's right to be skeptical um, but some people are higher on him some people might project p ryan in the same range that i did with uh Keyshawn vaughn and eno benjamin kind of at that like fourth round sort of range i'm not quite there I, I put him in the same boat as more james robinson from illinois state who only ran a 464 but he had like a 42 inch vertical yeah, or something his testing was really really good and he's were, a really stocky guy too they were talking about him a bit uh during the broadcast i guess it was friday night um, they said that he had some games at, at Illinois State. I, apparently, they just run the hell out of the ball. He had like a couple games with like 40 carries type of thing. So just a <laughs> It's interesting. Horse. His numbers weren't overly explosive, but it's one of those cases. It's like maybe this guy can give you just a bunch of reps that are good enough and you, you kind of some team kind of just gets attached to him because he's dependable. But that's a lot of ex- that's a lot of lower body explosiveness for someone of that stocky of a build. So. Yeah, Robinson, I, I actually am taking pretty seriously as like a day three guy. I'm not going to draft him in redraft, certainly. And but uh, it's it's he's in the conversation as as like a mainstream dynasty, you know, like f- bench flyer kind of thing at the end of rookie drafts. Yeah, he he definitely uh, did well for himself. Any other running backs uh, that, that stood out to you one way or the other here? Uh, I had DJ Dallas as a bit of a loser. He fell to twenty for me behind Oof. Patrick Taylor. Uh, Rico Dowdle, uh, who was invited when Tavian Feaster wasn't, I wouldn't have seen that coming a couple years ago. Feaster's probably going to run like a four-three-five at a pro day setting. Uh, not as good at running back stuff as Rico Dowdle, but Dowdle ran a four-five-four, which was better than I thought. He's kind of similar athletically to Josh Kelly. 
uh, got hurt a lot more at college. Uh, but I put Michael Warren ahead of them. He did not test at the combine. I assume he's going to run like a four six eight at the Cincinnati track. But uh, yeah, with him being an unknown, I knocked him down a little bit. Just just not as far as Dallas, who I think at a four five eight. Uh, was not fast enough for a guy as raw as he is okay all right that that definitely uh adds up it's too bad i think both of us uh to varying degrees had some hope for dj dallas coming if he, in. yeah if he ran a 444 at 215 or something that'd be pretty interesting as like a round six type and he could still get round seven sort of pick but he's the kind of guy who's going to need to play a lot of special teams basically for sure um let's move on over to the receivers um you know this is a group that was very very um highly anticipated coming into this week and, and seeing how they were going to test obviously Henry Ruggs chief among them but I mean there are a ton of guy. obviously later like, there are like 55 receivers I believe invited to the combine uh, which was a record um, a lot of just amazing performances Thursday not just from Ruggs but um, I, I think we got to start when we're talking about just like the overall kind of freakish workouts I think the conversation starts with Chase Claypool and Denzel Mims yeah I would say uh yeah those two and then Justin Jefferson were really big rugs I put as a winner but not because it was surprising it was more like Jalen Rager lost a spot to him like I moved rug to ahead of Rager yeah. uh so technically a winner but guys like Jefferson Denzel Mims uh, Chase Claypool they might have gained the most actual ground Absolutely. for me and uh Jefferson it was just one of those things like he was barely like a scholarship recruit by LSU standards and he doesn't he ran a four eight in high school Oh wow. Uh yeah, he doesn't look that fast on tape and you could tell even in his 40 run at the at the combine he was doing that forward lean uh really effectively. But, you know, the other guys running fast times generally are benefiting from leans too, so it's not like it's just a fake 40 time since he ran a 443. Um but yeah, jo- Justin Jefferson over 200 pounds ran a 443. That that's not great still. Like it's more of a checked box kind of thing, but I was worried that he wouldn't check the box. Yeah, the I think when we talked about it on Wednesday, the over under for his was uh like a four five one and, right. and the it was really crazy money for him going slower. Yeah, so I I would have fallen for that one. I would have said slower and uh he ran a four four three. So uh now all we have you know he's he's probably only like a slightly above average adjusted size adjusted athlete but his production is well above average mm-hmm. so he's got to be pretty good at technical stuff he doesn't drop passes we know that much like if the, his worst case projection was like guy who catches everything but doesn't get open enough to get thrown to uh 443 eases a lot of that concern i still don't want to take him ahead of some other guys i know some people are i'm probably still lower on jefferson than most people but uh, i at least concede that he's got a really good chance of going in the first round and uh he's he's going to be better than my worst fears about him possibly could have said but yeah it's it's claypool and mims who were more freakish uh jefferson was more just kind of like surprising in the in the face of relatively low expectations yeah but claypool we kind of had reason to suspect was going to be a little bit different as an athlete and it was still pretty surprising to me yeah he is i mean you, you watch him at notre dame he's ridiculously yoked and for him to check in at like what 64 238 or something 236 like that. yeah which is still cr- that's crazy and uh you know i think i think you and i both uh using our computer knowledge looked at the pro football reference and uh pretty much only calvin johnson and vernon davis can can do what he did at that side or have done um and have it mm-hmm. recorded yeah going back to 2000 at least i don't know if there's reliable records about the combine before that but i'm pretty sure i can say uh, it, it was over 235 and um, over 6.3. Maybe the height part. I can't remember if I put a height part in the query, but definitely over 235 and then uh, sub uh, 4.45. It's just Vernon Davis and Calvin Johnson. And obviously, 
he's nothing like those two. But this is also just mostly to point out that it's a different case than Miles Boykin. Like you can be skeptical of Claypool even in the face of his four four three at two thirty six and his forty and a half inch vertical. Um, but you can't quite, in my opinion, use Boykin as a reason why, because they're just, they're very different players. Like, uh, Boykin's a much more lanky sort of, uh, like you look at him and it's like a praying mantis kind of build sort of thing with Claypool. You look at him and you're like, is this a defensive end? I can't tell what this is. So sort of like receiver AJ Dillon almost in a a rare frame. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's like, I don't even know if I care how good this guy is at wide receiver stuff. Like when you're, when you're that big, when you've got on average probably 25 30 pounds on any given corner ahead of you and you probably run a faster 40 than them too that's just one of those things like even a good corner it's easier to make mistakes against a guy that much bigger that much faster than you it's like technique will protect you but sometimes you have a lapse and your lapse is more likely to burn you when someone you're covering is that big and fast so i think there's a reason to to really buy into claypool even if you think he's just a workout warrior because a workout warrior like this might just be good anyway yeah yeah he um yeah, super interesting, and, and of course, like the the production that this past year, I thought was, totally was pretty fine. good too. I mean, he had like thirteen of Notre Dame's uh, thirty five, something like that, passing touchdowns so, or receiving touchdowns. Um, so Im- really impressive, and and I think that it's not just that he has those impressive physical characteristics. You can watch the film and see that he actually uses it. Oh like yeah, he, like he he, he looks is, fluid as a yeah. as a and wide receiver task. It doesn't look like some uh like it's not like watching a brock lesnar trying to play defensive end and it's just like oh this guy just looks like a weightlifter trying to play football like it's not like that with claypool yeah, it looks like a receiver gets the ball like naturally and and wins those jump balls which you, you know you would hope you do when you're when you're that big and, and can jump that high so yeah i'm projecting claypool a little bit behind mims like trivially I'm, I'm projecting claypool for the second round mims i'm leaving open the possibility that he goes in the first and that's because um i just i just think of the four three nine forty with him uh 38 and a half inch vertical and then this to the 6.66 second three cone drill it's like i'm still kind of skeptical of mims in the sense that like i'm not as high as most people are but i'm not really skeptical about him as a starting nfl receiver anymore it's like at this point i'm i'm quibbling over how how specifically good i think he is and i can't quite figure out where i want to rank him all I know is I don't want to rank him ahead of some of these other guys in the class still. like Guys like T. Higgins, uh, who did not run at the Combine. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just not worried about him, though. Right or wrong, I'm not really worried about it. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to put – I, I don't want to put Mims ahead of guys like Duvernay or, or uh, Jalen Rager, uh, but I did have to move up Mims over guys like – uh michael pittman who i also think did well at the combine is just mims was lights out basically yeah uh, he had one of the best combines of any recent receiver and it's not like a it's not like one of those hakeem butler cases where people are like well he's pretty fast for how huge he is it's just like mims is pretty big and he had one of the fastest 40 times in an insanely fast uh, agility test he can jump really high and his production is not bad in any sense like when i was i was expressing concern about his efficiency um but when you test like he did and you have the volume that he did. I'm not worried about the efficiency anymore. I'd worry about the efficiency if he ran like a four or five eight, uh, but it's just not concerning anymore. And you know, we were talking about optics a little bit with, with running the forty. Like, not only did he post the great time, he looked very, very natural doing that. So he he looks like he you know is is very functionally athletic. Yeah, definitely. So uh, he, he's he's a little bit ahead of Claypool and Michael Pittman for me. But again, Pittman also a winner for me because it's four five two forty. Uh, 
it, it's a pretty simple case that I'm going to make here. Uh, he ran a four five two forty at two twenty three six four two twenty three. Kenny Galladay ran a four five flat point oh two seconds better at two thirteen. So uh, at ten pounds heavier, Pittman is only trivially slower. I'm not saying he's as good as Kenny Galladay because I I'm I think Kenny Galladay is very good, and I don't want to generally set hopes that high on a expectations that high on a player. But he's got this a similar frame. He's got similar speed when you adjust for the frame. And his production was totally good at USC, especially last year. So uh, Pittman doesn't fall out of the third, in my opinion. And it no. wouldn't it wouldn't be terribly shocking if he went like in the first forty picks or something like that. I would I would like him on the Ravens. I think he'd be a, a nice fit. Yeah, a, it could nice, happen. Like, big, he could go in the first. Receiver. I mean, there's no there's no real case uh, of why not to pick him. It's just that the, in this particular class, there's a bunch of guys you could maybe make the case of why they're better but it's 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 hard to make a case that like Pittman isn't good enough specifically yeah definitely and and I think another g- uh, positive uh for Pittman was how good his agility drills were especially considering like oh, you nice. know, how big he is because I, th- I think you look at uh, a, a bigger receiver and you expect him to be you know you know best case scenario 60th 70th percentile the taller the the generally the worse they do in agility and and he's tall he finished second among receivers in the in the shuttle and uh he was 87th percentile in the three cone so like being able to to break down and bend uh like that really impressive for a guy his size so like like you said uh, a definite winner from the combine yeah definitely uh and we're gonna name a couple other winners here but these guys are, are about a round lower for me uh one of them i did not have on the radar at all and that's a mistake on my part but uh john hightower of boise state i, I knew who he was but he was listed at like 63 180 and his production was good but not not better than someone like quez Watkins or whoever these other you know like cassis dubois and all these other guys that we're looking at at the at the the fringes but i'm pretty sure and i'm sorry if this is a misquote but i'm pretty sure i heard daniel jeremiah say in the nfl network broadcast that john hightower will be a day two pick so he's probably right like it, because it's daniel jeremiah saying it he's probably right uh but at 6'1 189 hightower ran a 443 40 yard dash and i gotta call him a winner if only just to kind of cover for my own uh failure in past analysis because uh, i did not have him ranked in my top 60 and now i'm probably gonna have him at like 35 or something like that but i I basically still think he's paul richardson because 443 being a fast receiver that's cool in a vacuum it's like fast receivers everybody likes those but when you're when you're 192 uh or sorry 189 um which is still higher than he was listed at he was listed at 172 or something actually 62 172 yes uh so he added some so weight there, and there's a reason why he like he was left off the initial batch like he, yeah that 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 frame if it was you know what it was then why would you consider and him like a legit prospect and 61 189 is still skinny sure. so it's 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 one of those things like it, you went from JJ Nelson to Paul Richardson. You're still uniquely skinny for a receiver, and a four four three is fast, but it's not that. F- I mean, you ran the same forty time as Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool's fifty pounds heavier than you. There you go. That that perfectly kind of encapsulates. It so yeah, he's, he goes. Hightower has some good numbers, good enough numbers, I should say. And Jan- Jeremiah's plugged in, so it looks like he's going to go in the third or something, third or the fourth. He'll get some opportunity level in the NFL, and that itself is currency, but. I still think I, I don't see an objective case to put uh, to put Hightower ahead of Quez Watkins, who was another winner. Uh, John, you were on Quez Watkins yes, uh, more than anybody that I'm aware of. Nice. Uh, and yeah, his he girlfriend t- retweeted me. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so we're off to a hot start. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, they'll they'll be happy to know that uh, he got more credit here. But he, he didn't look that fast to me on tape. But a, a four three five forty speaks for itself. 
Um, sometimes guys don't look that fast because they're not expelling as much effort as some other players who, you know, really need to drive their feet to get open. And maybe Watkins was, was kind of running 85% routes, something like that. Four, three, five, forty at one eighty-five. It's, it's kind of like a similar concern as high tower. It's like you, you would rather be heavier than that, but instead of, instead of Paul Richardson, I think when you're talking four, three, five speed, you're getting more into the conversation of why a player like Michael Hardman is an exception or Marquise Brown is an exception. And uh, without comparing Watkins to those guys, cause I don't think he's similar to them. It's a four, three, five on one eighty five is is that territory where you start to say, well, this kind of speed makes you an exception to the rule that you don't want to be 180 pounds, you know, as a receiver. If you, it's bad to be 180 pounds, but if you run a 4.35 and you're 180 pounds, maybe we maybe we can talk something out. Maybe you know, Michael Hardman, you're 180, but you run a 4.33, so it doesn't really matter that much. If you ran a 4.4 flat, we might not like you. Um, so yeah, Watkins, I think is I, I'll grade him probably about the same as Hightower, but uh, Jeremiah was not just like you know flooding the broadcast with praise for for Watkins so um I, we don't have reason to believe that the NFL is as high on him as they are Hightower yeah and you know th- this is one of those things I, I don't know how much the NFL will, will end up caring but he did have to miss a couple games uh, to start this past season for an academic issue oh okay um so not great you know if, if you want to you know like grade especially hard you know that that might be another th- mark against him but I, I i'm in on him at least you know being a a you know future nfl player i don't know if he's more than like a wide receiver three necessarily but like you said uh that that speed will find its way onto the field at some point you'd imagine yeah and he was productive too so it's like he, we have reason to believe he's both one of the fastest and has some you know minimum amount of skill maybe more than the minimum we don't really know um but yeah he's he's a winner and i think he's in the day two conversation probably more likely the round four round five kind of range mm-hmm. but no reason to rule out something better uh we can rule out something better in the meantime i think for quintus cephas let's go to the losers quick here quintus cephas ran a four seven three forty. i think he ran it with basically screwed up form because i don't not that i i'm not a track expert i don't really, i don't really know what i'm talking about but i never let that stop me any other time <laughs> and in this case it looked to me like cephas stood straight upright out of his stance in a way that i didn't notice other players doing it i almost thought he got hurt out of his stance like he was it was almost like he was running as if he was he was running with a tight back or something so I don't know if his his form was all screwed up but you watch him on tape and he runs away from corners all the time so I don't think it's an accurate measure of his speed uh even against Ohio State he gets open off the jam and and runs past the guy so I think the speed is there he just didn't test right with that said though if you run a 4-7 you just ran a 4-7 and and until you do something differently or until there's some kind of explanation for it, I just have to assume you're slower than the guy who didn't run a four seven. So I was high on Cephas. I think his production is great. I think he shows a lot of talent, but I have to kind of put him on hold as a recommended dynasty pick until at least the Wisconsin pro day. And because I can't, I have no insurance in the meantime, I just can't really in good conscience, uh, you know, stand by my past rankings when, when when this is the most recent evidence that we have. But yeah, bad number. Uh, so he's at risk of going undrafted if he if he doesn't have a good reason for that. Another guy who might go undrafted for a similar offense, Jawan Jennings. Who uh, oh man, the yep. book isn't closed. Me he, and Dick he, Dave have to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. 
32215 and a 47-240, 29-inch vertical. Yeah, awful. We'll see. I mean, Preston Williams had a disastrous pro day uh, coming out of Colorado State, and he still he was a productive guy in college who who looked more athletic on tape than he tested. So you got to watch out for that stuff because sometimes guys just test poorly because they're just not focused or they don't really know how to prepare for it or they just they don't have the resources to train that some other players do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jennings, you know, he's at Tennessee. He probably had resources. He's he wasn't supposed to be fast in the first place, so that he's slow isn't terribly shocking. Uh, we'll hope for the best, but I, I, I can't really have more than uh, you know, kind of a, a baseless hope in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was one of my like guys that I like that that turned in a disappointing workout at the combine. But we were vindicated because KJ Hill, also a loser. Yes, I think he might go undrafted. I, I mean, I'm not expecting specifically, but sixth, seventh round pick is all I see for a guy who's six foot one ninety five or one ninety six rather. Ran a four second forty, or sorry, four point six second forty with a thirty two and a half inch vertical. When you're when you're supposed to be like a quick fast receiver, like a skinny quick fast receiver, and you run a four six with a thirty two and a half inch vertical, just doesn't really cut it. Especially when your production is some of the worst of recent year Ohio State receivers. So I, I'm we never bought the KJ Hill hype. I think we were right for that. I, I would be shocked if he goes before the fifth round. Yeah, I, I would too. So that we were correct there. Um, somebody did a really good impression of me during the podcast Wednesday, talking about uh, looking out for uh, Austin Mack and Tony Brown uh, disavow. <laughs> yeah, that was me. I, I, I like to to slander people's uh, reputations and defame them uh, unfairly. And, and that that was that was me pretending to be John and saying like, "Ooh, I love Ohio State receivers. They're all so good." I think, but uh, anyway, that that was just that a joke. Please don't hold too. that against him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Otherwise, another person that I put as a loser who would, wasn't that bad, but it was still kind of an L that he took. Uh, Hunter Bryant showing up at six two two forty eight, which is twenty four pounds than what he was listed at two years ago, and nine pounds heavier what he was listed at this year. Uh, really productive player. Like the skill set is there, but he came in at two forty eight. And he ran a four seven four forty with a thirty two and a half inch vertical. He was talked about as like this potential like workout warrior, like a guy that's going to crush the combine. Well, he looks so fast on tape, and I think to produce the way he did, he has to be pretty fast in, in a standout athlete. Generally, certainly at like doing route running and catching and running stuff, he's he's athletic in those ways. But when you pack on a bunch of weight that you don't naturally carry, you're going to lose a lot of the athleticism that you otherwise naturally possess uh, and it's kind of like a, uh, I for, forgot to, did we get to Javon leak at all the running backs like he he added I think 10 or 15 quick pounds and he ran a 465 and then you turn on the tape it's like he runs away from everybody he both as a running back and a kick returner mm-hmm. it's like we know he was fast in the past like you, you don't you don't run like those guys do if they're slow but maybe the guy that they weighed in as is slow and can't do those things that they did on tape. And that's the kind of concern that Bryant raised. It's like, great, you showed you can bulk up to 248, but you also might have showed us that you can't play if you do. So he's got questions to answer. Uh, he, there's a way for him. I think if he reruns at the Washington Pro Day and if he's like 238, 240, which would be acceptable. You're not going to use him as a blocker anyway. It's not like anyone went like, wow, Hunter, you're 248. We think you're Rob Gronkowski now. Like That's not how it works. <laughs> you're still never going to use him as an inline blocker. So it's like, oh, what the hell? Lose some weight. We'll see if you're fast enough to do the route running stuff. And if you are, we'll use you as that and not as a blocker. Does that work for you? So, yeah, he's still got a shot. But I think Brees and Hopkins uh, gain ground over. Uh, on him at least uh with a four six six forty at a similar frame like he didn't pack on any fake weight and he ran okay for it he ran faster than the guy who added the fake weight so we'll see where that goes but the real tight end story was of course albert O. yes who ran a four four nine forty crazy which is just ridiculous i don't 
I'm not trying to say like I'm not trying to like diminish the credit for the guy, but I I mean he just doesn't look that fast on tape, and part of that might be because he's not cutting loose. Uh, apparently he wasn't actually because a four four nine is fast for someone as big as him especially um but i have to rank him first among tight ends now it's it's, yes. a, it's a pretty weak class yep thaddeus moss did not run um i rank i'm keeping him second among tight ends and hunter bryant at three uh cole Komet did a good job i guess yes. i should say he was yes. six six two sixty something with a four seven flat which that's not a great 40 time at a glance but with that kind of frame and a, a four seven will keep you on the field the yeah. notre dame guys all like other than tony jones all had really i mean even chris finke had like an amazing workout like a mid four fives and he had like a 40 inch vertical. 40 vertical yeah. that's nuts. wasn't he their slot guy yeah. i thought he was like the, well, the the i'm putting up quotes that you guys can't see but isn't he the the slot guy they had him downfield a decent bit I oh okay like. yeah maybe i was mixed i didn't learn all these guys' names at notre dame in recent years so i, I might have been mixing him up for a different player but i thought that was like their danny anthrop or something you know okay. <laughs> and then shout out the, danny anthrop and i saw the 40 inch verticals like maybe he's not their danny anthrop right. um uh anyway uh yeah cole Komet i put at four but I'm putting oh sorry I put Cole Komet at four for these rankings but that's for fantasy it's because I'm specifically saying like uh, Hunter Bryant at three I I literally cannot imagine him doing anything other than running routes in the NFL okay. whereas uh, Cole Komet he could play like twice as many snaps as Bryant and end up running fewer routes but Cole Komet will go ahead of Hunter Bryant for sure yeah Cole Komet definitely did well for himself I, I keep comparing him to like late stage Gronk like just yeah he i doesn't mean move he doesn't move particularly like smoothly and it's kind of bulky but like a four he gets seven is pretty good for that size i mean i it think does, just optically i guess is, is yeah he's hulking sort of a hulking figure uh but yeah a four seven at that kind of build it's like one of those things yeah you're not going to run routes that great you're not going to be that fast but you'll play so many snaps that you should get more opportunities especially in a weak class like this like i put hopkins at five that might be too cold. Maybe maybe I should put Hopkins up ahead of even Thaddeus Moss, let alone Hunter Bryant. But that's what I went with, and I went Adam Troutman, Jacob Breland. I thought Dalton Keene was kind of interesting at Virginia Tech. He put up better numbers than I'd paid attention to before, so he's like a round four or five kind of radar. Charlie Taumapo, or however you say it, and Harrison Bryant, he was just too light for me. So yeah. uh, when you're running like a four seven four at, at barely over 240, uh, you know, guys like Charlie, Dalton Keene, Jacob Breland didn't run because he's hurt. Uh, but he's always hurt, though. Yeah, it's, it's a concern. His production is really good, but the, the, the it's a, a big durability worry there. But yeah, with Harrison Bryant, I'm worried that he even like gets on the field in the NFL because he's. You, if you want to be as big as a wide receiver playing tight end, you need to be as fast as a wide receiver. Yeah, he's, he's one of those guys who um, sent his believers like back into their tweets to go delete them. I, I think a lot of people. I bet were they like, stand by him. One. I think people are bad at tracking this sort of this detail. I think they're going to say like a four seven four. That's above average for a tight end, and look how great his projection is my model says that if guys with this kind of production says that they do this and it's like yeah your model doesn't have a way of anticipating the it doesn't have an all-encompassing knowledge of 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 the various you know truisms that nfl coaches adhere to and one of them is like if you want to be its 240 pound tight end you know you're not going to block that great these especially if you're as tall as harrison bryant guys are going to get under your pads they're going to be able to lift you up because you're lighter than them and you're not as strong you don't have the base necessary to stand up to it so you're not going to play for blocking okay interesting so we're going to have you running routes then okay so are you running a 474 well that's slower than the other guy we have on the roster who's 20 pounds heavier than you so how about you're not going to be active on game day uh, but if we do activate you, if you're not a scratch for five games this year, it'll just be uh, for like punt blocking or something. Uh, that's how that's how things work out. It doesn't matter how good you are. Like no one cares that uh, what's that? No one cares about Tyler Conklin in his 700 yard Central Michigan season. You know, it's like if you want to 
play 250 and, and play at Central Michigan, that's one thing. It's a different game here. That was that was a hell of a rant. I, I didn't I did not see that. I coming. wasn't even trying. To, dang, that, sorry guys. Was I, wasn't, really <laughs> I wasn't trying to put you in the the rant blender uh, without funny, any notice there. The, dude, you hit puree on that sucker. That was awesome. Um, one one more question, circling back towards the top of your tight end ranks, uh, the Thaddeus Moss uh, ranking. So like, what what um, what kind of makes you steers you in the direction of backing him? Uh, well, it's a weak class, and sure. uh, Hunter Bryant, I think, kind of hurt his standing. He's like a three to five range round projection for me. Cole Komet, I think, goes in the first 50 picks or something. But I, I just don't think, even in theory, that his value to the NFL has as much to do with pass catching. Whereas with Moss, it's like, if he plays, it's probably to pass catch. And I think he could get you know some favoritism for being Randy Moss's son. And he's Randy Moss's son, so it wouldn't be shocking if he tested surprisingly well at the LSU Pro Day and if he does then he's just kind of like one of the best like one of the fracture though oh I don't I don't know how long that'll take or if that'll keep him out the whole time but uh it's a concern um but yeah it's it's more like in his case it's like the incomplete grade is almost to his benefit because some of these other guys who have taken every grade have have hurt themselves by doing so uh Maybe I have Moss too high. There's a pretty good case that I should rank him more like five and put Hopkins because because Hopkins is running a four six six. Like he he shows a lot of skill at Purdue. His production is totally good. So yep. he he's got few unanswered questions. I'm kind of like getting greedy and hoping like Moss maybe has more upside because uh, I don't see like the upside scenario for Hopkins. He's he's more like a I don't know best case scenario. I'm imagining like a Blake Jarwin kind of player or something like that. I don't okay. know which would be fine. That's useful. Yeah. Definitely. Um, um, but yeah, Alberto, he's he's at the first one, and mm-hmm. I, I probably project him for like late second or something like that. Okay, yeah. So that, that again, speaks to... Weak class. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's like especially like noticeable when, when you have the contrast of, of last year with, with the two first round or at least it's like there's no star guy and then the 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 second tier is pretty big to the point that it's not even worth sifting through it's like just if you must take a tight end you almost might as well just take like the cheapest of them or or trade for one of them in a year when the first owner gets bored because they haven't played yet and uh let's see uh jared pinkney also isaac nodded himself yeah he ran a four nine he's a he's a chonky boy so he can do stuff like that and still i think stick around the nfl for a long time as like a third tight end but anytime you're talking four nine speed it's like uh uh Caden Smith had a pretty insanely successful year last year considering he ran a 4.9. Like I'll just go ahead and say no tight ends from now until the apocalypse uh will run a 4.9 at the combine and then have a better rookie year as a tight end than Caden Smith did. There you go. Um any other uh uh, hanging chads of takes um, not really roll. i guess I, I forgot to kind of run through the my revised wide receiver rankings so i'll just run through them real quick but uh cd lamb and jerry duty jody both did exactly what they needed to 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 tread water and because they were at the top they stay at the top mm-hmm. uh so i have lamb judy at one two henry ruggs at three i'm putting t higgins at four and maybe maybe i should be more paranoid about his workout numbers since he was kind of a last second pass at the combine but i think he'll be okay and I'm, I'm willing to, to bank on like a, a frame with production like his and, and give it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Jalen Rager ran a four four seven forty time, which is it's kind of funny because some other guys ran faster forties than him, and it's one of those things they are not faster than him. Like you can watch the tape of Rager; he's faster than four four seven, but he weighed in eleven pounds heavier than he probably played at in college. Mm-hmm. So two hundred six instead of one ninety five. I think that hurt him in the 40 to the tune of at least like a tenth of a second. But you saw his more real explosiveness because he still had a 42-inch vertical and like a 
Byron Jones broad jump or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he, so the forty is is what like stands out or what people will remember about Rager's um, workout. But but like you said, the the jumps, uh, you know underline the explosiveness that he actually the had. jumps match the tape the 40 doesn't yeah there you um go. but yeah justin jefferson i'm keeping at six behind rager i know a lot of people will raise jefferson over rager i understand why i'm not ready to do that uh but justin jefferson at six which is higher for me than it used to be Devin Duvernay ran a four four flatter four three nine I think, but he did it at exactly two hundred pounds, which is good enough. And he still has great production last year. But I was hoping he'd be more like a two o five two o eight guy who runs more like a four three five. So he slightly fell uh, for me in the sense that I had very high expectations for him testing. I'm still keeping him ahead of Denzel Mims, who's at eight. Chase Claypool, who's at nine. Michael Pittman at ten. I'm putting the injured uh, Brian Edwards at eleven. KJ Hamler at 12, who did not test at the combine. LaVisca right. Chenault, you might call him a loser uh, at the combine because he ran a 4.59 at almost 230 pounds. I have him at 13 at receiver. I don't mean to be that low on him, though, because it's one of those things like it's a it's an okay time that he posted for how heavy he is. It's, it's not going to be the reason he fails if he fails, but this is a really strong receiver class. We have every expectation. We have every reason to think that Hamler will burn the pro day track that he runs on. Edwards is going to do great, I think, with like wide receiver coach types. I think they're going to say like this guy really knows how to play a receiver. I like him. I don't care if he's slow. So I think he'll he's not going to fall out of the third round. Once you get to like Chenault, I, I still think he's going to be in the first three rounds. But this is a tough class. This is not the kind of class that you want to be making subpar showings in your athletic testing. So he he slips a little bit. Just ahead of Isaiah Hodgins, and then I'm going Brandon Ayuk. I I just don't really like his tape that much, and his his production isn't enough. His production is not better, for instance, than Isaiah Hodgins, who ran a four six one at six four two ten. Had really good agility numbers, which uh, I actually like Hodgins's combine. I, I didn't call him a winner, but I like it. Uh, but then two more guys who didn't run at the combine: Lynn Bowden, Tyler Johnson, and then we get to to John Hightower, Gabriel Davis, Antonio Gandy, Golden. My my uh, my non power five uh, ambiguous day two day three. Uh, straddling kind of prospects okay. so yeah uh that 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 sort of um 12 to 20 range of my rankings is still very negotiable and those guys are all kind of one tier for me okay all right that all adds up so uh thanks for going ahead and, and adjusting uh those rankings on the fly to, to get the combine all accounted for but that's gonna wrap things up for this edition the emergency combine edition of the rotowire nfl podcast Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.